0: My dad
1: died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help
0: my friends. I don't know how.
1: The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely.
0: How can I best support students in my class?
1: The Morning Meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is The Morning Meeting. Today on The Morning Meeting, I'm interviewing Dante Peace. He works at Johnson & Johnson Healthcare Systems, but I'm talking with him today about his nephew, Robert Deshaun Peace. We spoke a bit about Robert a few weeks ago when I interviewed Jeff Hobbs on the podcast. Robert, who is known as Sean in his own family, lived with Dante while he was growing up, and Dante got to watch his nephew face lots of challenges as a child, He had lost his father to incarceration and ultimately to death. He was raised by a single mom, and ultimately he moved away from home to go to college in a very different environment than he had grown up in. Since Robert has died, Dante's had a chance to reflect on the support or the lack of support that his nephew had as a seemingly well-put-together child. He now wants to spread the message that all children need support after a loss of any kind, not just death take a listen. So Dante, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're really glad that you agreed to speak with us.
0: Uh, I'm glad that you you invited me. Thank you.
1: Mm, You're welcome. Um, So tell us a little bit about, you know, some people have probably read the book, The Short and Tragic Life of of Robert Peace, um, but some people probably haven't read it. That's going to be listening to this. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship with your nephew?
0: Okay, well, Rob was affectionately known as Sean by family and close friends, okay? Sean was the only, was the only child uh, my sister had, her and Ski, which is Sean's father. Um, there's a 14-year age difference between Sean and, and I. Okay. And to me, I always viewed Sean as like my youngest brother, in a sense, although I'm his uncle. And, um, we had a great relationship, you know, I would pick him up from school every now and then, you know, take him with me on Saturdays to football games and, you mm-hmm. know, spend time joking and playing, mm-hmm. you know, things that, you know, brothers, I would say, you know, sure. you know do
1: pretty mm-hmm. much. You like lived said, together, right? City.
0: Right. We, we lived, yeah. we lived in the same house. We lived in a two family house okay. and Jackie and he lived upstairs and I lived downstairs with, you know, my mother and father. Mm-hmm. And what and, was he uh, like as a kid? Oh very funny um he he l- liked to play you know games and and things of that sort and mm-hmm. he was uh very bright and um he he just was like just the all around kid. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Just, he was that kid. You, you know yeah. what I mean? He didn't, yeah. he didn't have any, ha- he didn't hang any hangups or a- anything like that. And always smiling or mm-hmm. had the biggest smile, had you know, the biggest you, smile.
1: When you read the book, you get the sense that he was just a really well-liked and very talented, you know, athletically, academically, just a really well-rounded kid.
0: Yeah. 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 He was definitely, you know, in his later years, you know, he played water polo, mm-hmm. but, you know, in his uh, elementary years, he uh, also played football and um, just, just a well round normal kid. Mm-hmm. You know, But he also had
1: a lot of, you know, sort of trauma as a kid. He, you know, he struggled with a lot of uh, sort of stuff happening in his life as well that I don't know how many people knew about that when he was growing
0: up. Right. Um, at the age of seven, I believe, well, his father, Skeet,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: was uh, arrested for a double homicide murder. And at that time, you know, she, like I said, she must have been about eight years old. But my sister didn't explain the situation to him at you know at that age because it you know we. I'm sure, like, as I was younger then, so I'm not really sure exactly how it played out. But sure. at, that age, at that age, I'm not sure he could even probably comprehend,
1: right. you
0: know. So she did tell him later on, which I think, you know, may have impacted him mm-hmm. in, in a way. Mm-hmm.
1: But so what he knew was that his dad was just gone. Right. Yeah. But
0: also, you know, Sean and his father had an awesome relationship. Mm-hmm. awesome you yeah. know his father although he he never lived in the house with us his father okay. mm-hmm. and he would come by to make sure that Sean does his homework he would do his homework with him mm-hmm. he would read to him he even taught him how to write in calligraphy wow back then uh, do you remember calligraphy <laughs> of course and, you know he had the weird pen and he was teaching Sean penmanship and mm-hmm. calligraphy which I thought was, you know, I could never get it. But that's how, you know, the the type of father he was yeah. to Sean. They had an awesome relationship. His presence was always, you know, always at the house, yeah. even though he didn't live here.
1: Right. And then what happened when he went to jail? Like, you know, how did Sean sort of respond to that? Or did he not? Did it seem like everything was okay?
0: Well. For me, again, you know, with the way Sean was and with the way Skeet was to Sean, I've never, never asked him, to be honest with you. And that's one of the things, one of my, you know, things that I always question myself even today, like, you know, maybe I should have engaged. I was Mm -hmm. 14 years older, but I think if I would have engaged with him just to find out how he was feeling or how it made him feel that his father was incarcerated, you mm-hmm. know? But mm-hmm. again, Sean appeared to be the happiest kid in the world to me. So I felt as though that he was okay. Yeah. So, you know, I wish I knew. I wish I should I think, I wish I would have asked. Yeah. But I didn't.
1: Right. Obviously, you know, he was a very talented and smart young man and, also, you know, very personable and people really liked him um, to the point that he, a very generous man, decided to give him, a, you know, all of the money he needed to go to college. Right.
0: Right. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. He was afforded um, a four-year um, tuition, free tuition Yeah. by a, a CEO of a bank. I, his name escapes me at the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, he met Sean. Sean had gave... Uh, a, he received an award, one of the mm-hmm. highest awards at Saint Benedict's, mm-hmm. and they had a um, they they had a dinner. Yeah, like for a the banquet award. or something, right? A banquet, yes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, that's where he met Sean at, and he was taken by um, you know how smart Sean was, and you know offered to to bankroll his whole college education. That's incredible. Which you know, th- th- yeah, and that how often does that happen?
1: I've never heard of that happening except for reading it in this book. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and, and the, the, the price tag of Yale,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's very yeah. expensive.
1: Yeah. So he, so, you know, you just said he went to Yale. Like we're not even talking about, you know, he got into college. Like he got into right. Yale. He's a really right. brilliant guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it just makes me think, What I always think about when I hear that. So he grew up in Newark, right?
0: Well, no, Orange actually. Okay, the book says Newark. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, and that's yeah, he grew, why. <laughs> he grew, yeah, he grew up in Orange. Okay, and uh, um, it went to school to St. Benedict's, which was in Newark.
1: Okay, and then he gets, you know, the money to be able to go to Yale, which I assume is a very different environment than Orange, where he grew up. Right. Correct. Um, so he's surrounded by a bunch of probably very wealthy. Um, Not everyone. Mm -hmm. Obviously, some people get um, scholarships to school, too, but um, probably many white people um, different than him. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I, I, you know, I assume you might not have ever talked to him about this, but I just wonder what that experience was like for him, like a fish out of water, really going to a school like that, um, you know, in a totally different environment
0: right so i uh, i'm I'm sure it was very challenging from for him, you know coming from an inner city mm-hmm. you know to Yale and you know one world meeting another world, so yeah. to speak
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know i mean how do you how do you prepare for that you know you, there's just no way to prepare for that,
1: yeah
0: really, and um in you know just two different worlds you yeah. know.
1: And I don't even think anybody thought to prepare him like who would think it's just a great opportunity and you're going to take it. So who would think like to even have a conversation about like, this is going to look different,
0: you know? Right. Right. Exactly. And and, and I'm sure and it, of course, I'm sure there was challenges. There was economic challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, there was uh, systemic racism, You know, dis, you know, disparities and, you know, all types of stuff that that yeah. are just there. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying when those two worlds meet, yep. and it's, I'm sure it was very challenging for him. Mm-hmm. You know, although he had the academic, you know, ability, you mm-hmm. know, to be there, but when it came to the to, to the day to day, you know, survival, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I think where it became more challenging for him. Mm-hmm.
1: Like he just you didn't know. know how to
0: cope with all of the. Stress. Right. Although he was fine academically, you know, what people go there for, he was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. But it, it just it was, the whole culture was yeah. just probably a shock to him. So
1: I'm trying to remember in the book. Um, was he a user of marijuana or was he selling?
0: Well, that right there, I'm not really sure. There's okay. some people and, you know, said that he did. And some people said that he didn't. Okay. I've never personally seen him use marijuana okay. uh-huh. in, my, in, my, in my present. Sure. You know, so mm-hmm. that I, I can't really talk to. Okay. I'm just you know wondering, I'm like, but, a lot of
1: kids use it as a coping tool when they're right.
0: stressed. They, they, yes, yeah, they, they, yeah it, exactly. You know, marijuana is about to be legalized. Yes. <laughs> you know, in the state of New Jersey, it, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, totally. you know, I'm not a user. I don't I don't use marijuana or, or any types mm-hmm. of drugs. But my thing is that, you know, that's just something that that generation, you know, w- was totally into.
1: I'm just thinking, like, when you, you know, when you you're trying to figure out, like, how to cope with all of these things and you kind of fall back on things that you're used to, you know,
0: Exactly. And that's why yeah. I think it became challenging for Sean. You like us, you know, being uprooted, you know, out of here, the ghetto, let's just yeah. say, into mm-hmm. Yale and just that whole environment, you know, it, it, it's a shock, you know, Yeah, it, yeah. it's a shock. Uh-huh. I,
1: I'm trying to even like picture it.
0: Even like St. Mm-hmm. V- Benedict versus Yale, it, it still is a, is a change, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And Saint Benedict is is a very respected preparatory school but there, there there's a mix, a mix of economic disparities there you know what i'm saying sure and Yale it's it, it's totally different yeah that that is totally different
1: you know certainly in the book they they don't talk about the fact that he he mentioned that he struggled he never sort of shared that he was struggling or that things were you know harder for him he he
0: looked fine to so many people Exactly. He appeared to be fine. And again, like for myself, i would never asked, you know, even me just having a conversation with him never brought up the fact, Hey, you know, you know, how is life at Yale? Mm-hmm. Based on, mm-hmm. You know, where you've come from is there any, is, I'm sure there's some challenges, but how are you dealing and how are you working through those challenges? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Never had that conversation. Right. Never had that conversation. And it's all, you know, it's, it's important to, with our youth is to ask, ask, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going on.
1: Such a great message. You know, I think so many, you know, young adults and even children um, are very good at hiding things because they want to, they want everybody to think they're okay.
0: Yeah. But as African-American males, you know, Mm -hmm. we are taught not to express our emotions and our Mm -hmm. feelings and, 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 or, or to appear to be weak. So right. we bury and carry a lot of stuff with us. And mm-hmm. then unfortunately, sometimes it plays out in a negative way. Of course. Right? In this case.
1: hmm
0: You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah.
1: I think about it in terms of grief because that's so much of what this is about for me. And I think right. when you, you know, most kids, when they go to college, they experience some kind of grief because you lose you know you lose your bed and you lose you know your friends that you knew at home and all of those things right. and he he had that already it's but not
0: just about death you're right it's not yeah. just about death
1: mhm and he had you know the difference was you know, so many kids that go to college have you know they're prepared and in some ways they maybe they've gone on a tour to visit it or they know some other people that might be going there and um you know they have some support network sort of built in that uh Sean probably didn't have as
0: much. Right, exactly. You know, he did the tour and all that other mm-hmm. stuff, but mentally prepared, no.
1: Yeah. None of us was. Yeah. You know, none of us yeah.
0: was. We, you know, we were happy. It was a great opportunity. You know, he's going to yell and this, that, and the other, but none of us thought about, you know, let's engage more with him. Yeah. To know, you know how, how it's going. Mm-hmm. Other than the grades, because right. you know he's a straight, you know, straight A student. But other than the grades, let's ask him, like, you know, how does he feel, or you, you know, or or what challenges he may be facing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's who would where think? you know, right? Because mm-hmm. he appeared to have it going on. You yep. know,
1: I also think it's a good point to make that his grades were so good because right. So many people will say like, well, their grades are good. So I guess they're doing OK. I think that's common little kids, older kids, you know, young adults like in college that, you know, you you look for signs. And he wasn't showing signs because he was functioning at a very high level.
0: Right. And grades are, you know, when grades start to go down, that is the first sign that there's something else going on. You're right. absolutely right. But yeah. then again, flawless, mm-hmm. straight through. Wow. Straight through Flawless.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. That's Mm -hmm. uh, either just shows how smart he was or shows how hard he worked to hide, uh, you know, what he was really going through.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So after college, he came back home, right?
0: Yes, he did. He came back to Orange, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which I thought was a little different because most people in college go on, you know, into their career. It doesn't it it could be back in their hometown per se. Sure. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. It could be back in home. But they they normally just go on, you know, yeah. or continue going on. But you know, he came back home
1: mm-hmm.
0: and at that time I didn't really think anything odd about it. Okay. You know, um he did go back to his his Saint Benedict's mm-hmm. and, and and became, you know, the teacher in biology. So he did use some of his college education, let's just okay. say,
1: uh-huh.
0: to get back in you know, at St. Benedict. So he did that for a while, okay. which I thought was good.
1: What did he major in?
0: Molecular biophysics and okay. biology.
1: <laughs> okay. See, I
0: got, I, almost, I almost had trouble even saying it. I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? <Me> too. <laughs> uh-huh. right. It
1: goes over mm-hmm. my head for sure. So then he came back yes. to his school and he was teaching kids at a school, which you know, right. That's a great thing.
0: Yeah. And, and some people do that, mm-hmm. you know, after college, you know, some people do that.
1: Right. But did anybody think like a degree in molecular, bio, whatever you just said, like, physics. could be. But <laughs> <right. Did laughs> well, he had a double think, major, like, I believe, of
0: be? molecular, wow. molecular biophysics and biology.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so did people think like, wow, you know, you have this incredible degree from Yale and you're not really using it teaching at a school, you know, a local school where I'm sure there are companies that would have been grabbing at him, you know, maybe to make more like, money or, you know, to use all of that Even before
0: knowledge. he graduated. You're right. Even yeah. before he graduated. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is true. But, you know, he, that's the choice he made. He came back to Orange yeah. and he went back to St. Benedict's okay. and he, he taught there for about a couple of years, I believe. Mm hmm. And then, and, um, yeah.
1: And then what happened?
0: Well, then he moved on from there to, uh, he was a baggage handler. Now that's, um, um, that's when I did, one day I remember, we were in the kitchen together.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: at this time, he was working for Continental Airlines, but he was working as a baggage handler. Okay. So I said to him, I said, sure. On. And I did say, I said, come on, you got this Yale degree. Yeah. Why are you working? And, and, and not to talk bad about baggage handlers or anything, you know what I'm saying? Right. But, you know, mm-hmm. he worked so hard and, you know, and went yeah. to school for four years. So why are you a baggage handler? His answer to me was, he said, you know what, Dante? He said, because the travel benefits. So to me, I said, oh, okay. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> sure. you know, he was able to tr- travel for free. Mm -hmm. Working, you know, with Continental. So I said, okay, well, that makes sense. Okay. You know, I just thought, okay, you know, if that's why you're doing it, it was okay. Mm -hmm. And he did travel. He did travel, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. He did
0: a lot of traveling. Which,
1: Which is amazing for lots of people. Right. They like it. Um, but yeah, so that's like, you know, again, like it could have been a red flag, but he had an answer and seemed, you know, like he, right. and, and, and about he was it.
0: still, and he was still functioning fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I said, okay, well, you know, you know, I did that. I remember, I remember asking that, like, well, why a baggage handler? Yeah. You know, yeah. he said, well, you know, it's, it's an easy job and I get to travel. But I didn't want him to get complacent, you know. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons why I asked him.
1: Yeah. Did you ever have concerns about, like, what else he was doing? Like, you know, in the book, they certainly talk about some things that, you know, perhaps he was involved in. I don't know if that's been proven or not. But um, were you concerned about anything?
0: No, I really wasn't concerned about, you know, certain things. I just knew that again he appeared to be fine. Okay. And uh you know, we're talking about a kid that that was a straight A student, right? Yeah, yeah. So in, in my mind and my view is like, okay, well, he's fine. You know, mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing. He, right. he's, he's making, making the right decision. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. making the right decisions. And, you know, that's how I sort of um, lived with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's making the right decision. He, brighter than I am from an education <laughs> perspective. I'm like, you know, he, he's doing well. Yeah. So I really wasn't concerned. Okay. There wasn't nothing that was really... There was no red flags that were really like really on fire. Okay. You know what I mean?
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's one of the things I, you know, I feel like it's such an important message that just because people look okay doesn't mean that they're okay. This episode is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing grief support to students and those that support them. Find us at www inner-harbor.org. So looking back now, I guess, um, you know, maybe you learned something even um, as they did research for this book, or, you know, sometimes when people die, you learn things about their life just from people talking about them. So I'm just wondering if there were things that you learned about Sean that that he was doing or that he was involved in that you wish you knew about. So you could have intervened earlier.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I wish I would have known because definitely, you know, I think I would have engaged in in, in conversations with him just to know, you know, what he was thinking about or, or you know, what he was involved in. Yes, okay. I would mm-hmm. have.
1: <laughs> so what did you learn? Like, you know, for those people that are listening to this podcast that haven't read the book what kinds of things did you learn about that are now concerning?
0: Well, the whole marijuana thing, you know, w- was really new to me. You know, okay. I hadn't really heard about it to the level that, you know, was mentioned in the book
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and would also play out in real life. Okay. That right there alone, again, if, you know, if I would have engaged in conversations with him on a um you know a no to no basis you know i i believe that i could have jumped in and and and, you know saved them whatever he was going through that led up to that behavior
1: yeah yeah and you know we had talked about before like you know marijuana is probably going to be legalized at some point in new jersey and it's been legalized in many states but alcohol is legal, too, and people can still abuse it. So the concern is not so much that what he was doing, it's more about, right. you know, the extent to which people are using it and whether or not they can, you know, use it in a, you know, I don't want to say a healthy way, but, you know, not to the, right. to the point that it becomes really detrimental
0: in their lives. Right. But I, I even if he was using it, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, I don't think yeah. it, it, was, uh, it was out of control. Right. Because he was functioning so you well. Yeah, it functioning so well again. You know, to go back to you know what I said earlier, he appeared to be fine. You
1: mm-hmm, know, even mm-hmm. if he wasn't
0: en- engaging in that. Yeah. So it it wasn't like his life was in a, a downward spiral. It was not like that. Right. Where you know he was losing losing stuff, or, or you know, mm-hmm. or losing himself. I should right. say.
1: No, he was functioning very well, um, and nobody right. would have reason to suspect that things were. Mm -hmm. you know, troubling, which is why, you know, your message of, you know, asking, even when things look okay, is so important. Exactly. And I think, you know, he was a pretty friendly, but also private person.
0: Right. Exactly. And the black community, like I said, as black men, you know, Mm -hmm. we are taught and we are raised, you know, to wear like an armor of steel, not to show our emotions in a sense, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Or not Mm -hmm. to appear to be weak. And that's just, uh, you know, it's part of the heritage, part of, you know, our upbringings, you know, yeah. not mm-hmm. to show weakness. And and feelings um, tend to be looked upon as weak. Correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wish that that's something that we can change in, you know, the Black community as well as, you know, in right. probably in mm-hmm. men in general. I think uh, that is something that many right. little it's boys are taught.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because being able to, to, to connect is what's important. Yeah. Know?
1: And actually, I always say that that's where real strength is. It's it's a lot easier to, you know, to hide your feelings and, and not show everybody that you're feeling, you know, vulnerable or scared. Right, um, exactly. I wish we could change that sort of definition of weakness um, and strength to really look like sharing is, you know, is actually for really
0: strong people. Right. And, yeah. and to me, it just starts with a simple conversation or it mm-hmm. can start with a, just a simple conversation. Oh, Absolutely. How are you? How are you doing? You know? hmm
1: hmm
0: And again, like I said, you know, I go back and I think of all the opportunities and the missed opportunities that I had with him you know, and when he was going through so many, you know, great things, you know, life-changing things, you know, like going off to school, going off to Yale, you know, graduating, and you know, receiving those honors, to to me that that that's very life-changing, you know, especially for a young man like Sean,
1: yeah. based
0: on you know where he came from.
1: Mm-hmm. So you
0: know, I, you know, those times I wish I was able. to to connect with him and ask him what do those experiences feel like how are they affecting you You yeah yeah but again i didn't ask so Mm
1: -hmm. he had so much going for him and yet Mm -hmm. he also had some things that you know he still you know clearly he needed to learn how to cope with some of the the bigger stresses in life he he had it all together academically and and even socially in ways because he was so personable and friendly and yet that piece of asking for help when you need it um, was not something that he had really learned.
0: Right. No, not at all. And, you know, like I said, through his whole um, educational life, like I said, he had guidance, you Mm -hmm. know, from elementary school, all the way through high school, even, even through college. But after that, it was just like, you know, it was like at the edge of the cliff and after school, that's when things started, you know, going left. So. Yeah.
1: It's, it is, you know, um, it's an interesting commentary, I think, on the world that we do a lot for kids up until they're about 18 years old. Right. And then we sort of right. say they're adults now. Um, they're
0: on their own. <laughs> you right. know, that's what they would say uh-huh. on, your they're own on now. their own.
1: And also right. then we frequently get we ship them off to college. So right. they're on their own in a, you know, in a brand new like world where they don't right. have the supports that they had. I mean, Sean did have supports through school. He had great mentors at school. He had a really great family that loved him. Um, and then a all of that kind of disappears. Yeah. But then you go to right. college and all of those people, I mean, you know, at least physically disappear from your life, you know, as on a regular basis. Um, and you are supposed to just know how to cope with all of that. And that's really, you know, that's really hard.
0: Right. So, what do
1: you think? Like, you know, I mean, his life meant something. Uh, Clearly, this book has touched so many people. What do you hope that people get out of reading, you know, a book about Sean's life?
0: Well, I hope that people, you know, take away the fact that, you know, we need to become more involved in our youth. You know, we need to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Although there may be some pushback. Yeah. From some, but mm-hmm. still we need to make ourselves available to have those conversations, mm-hmm. you know, with yep. them, to, to ask them how are they doing, even though they appear to be fine. They can be a straight A student all the way from preschool, but still we still need to have a level of communication and into knowing how they're doing. hmm
1: And what would you say to other like little Sean's out there, um, cause there's plenty of them, I'm sure, L- you know, little yeah, are. boys, like, what mm-hmm. would you say to them? How can they, you know, if they're growing up in an environment where they're taught to keep their feelings inside, to look like the, you know, the strong man of the family, um, right. how do we, how do we break through that message to let them know that it's okay?
0: Okay. What I would say to them, I'm saying if you're faced with something that you don't understand or something that's really bothering you, Mm -hmm. reach out, reach out, you know, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It really is. And, and, and and you'll see, you know, you'll be able to work through those situations or, or or over those obstacles.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. And it it, it is okay. I don't think it's okay to keep it in. Yeah. I really don't. Okay. You, Mm -hmm. You know, it's Okay.
1: I wonder how it's changed, like, the relationships that you have with your family or friends, knowing, you know, what happened with Sean. How has it changed the relationships that you have with other people?
0: With other people? I'm more, I talk more. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, I just say. <laughs> okay. And, 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 I, and I ask more questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I get pushbacks, you know, whatever, but the fact of knowing, you know, how a person's doing and, you, you know, just what's going on with them, you yep. know, I'm I'm very open, very transparent. Good for you. Yep. And uh, with my friends, especially, you know, we conversate a lot. Okay. A lot. Good for you. And if I'm going through something, you know, I'll reach out to one of them, you know, you know, we'll talk about it, and, you know, yep. or vice versa.
1: Mm-hmm. They say that the most important factor in a child's life in growing up healthy emotionally is that they have one healthy, supportive adult that they can reach out to.
0: And Correct. it
1: sounds like, sounds like you're doing that for many people.
0: Right. So, Definitely. How do you think you've
1: Definitely. coped? Like, you know, what has been helpful to you coping with his death? Um, you know, maybe in healthy and, you know, we all deal with. Loss in
0: some unhealthy ways as well, but what has helped me is like seeing is the positives that people are taking away from his story. Mm-hmm. You know, my sister received cards, just just various, just general cards. You know, from people reading the book, and you know they're interested in knowing more and how they're saying that Sean's story relates to either their own child or to someone that they know or it could be a, a, a student themselves you know mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that um
0: you know find some you know relation to the story so I'm, I'm very proud about that you know I'm very proud and I think that um it, it's a very good book for for youth to read yeah definitely
1: I, I was it, very it brings, it. it brings awareness
0: it brings awareness
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I think you're absolutely right. And and not only does it bring awareness to, you know, to the message that you have about checking in um, on your family and your friends, but I think it also hopefully, you know, touches people and lets them know that, you know, his life was really meaningful and he had such potential and that light is gone from the world. Right. Um, Right. And there's so many people out there right now that have these bright lights that we want to keep here on this earth. So,
0: correct, definitely.
1: I hope they know how to find somebody that they can reach out to. Right. How are you dealing with just the pandemic in general? Um, you know, the current uh, climate in this world. Uh, there's so much stress going on. You know, particularly for Black communities. How are you doing?
0: Well, it's, you know, it's an eye-opener, definitely. And I think now um, we're at a point to where, okay, we need to have some dialogue. We, we need to talk about this. And I think that with all that's going on with the police brutality, mm-hmm. and, it, and, it's, and it's so much, it's, it's so much, I think we definitely need attention to it yeah and I think that's that it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen because you know people are getting tired, you know yep yeah, tired, you know with the same results, yep, the same results you know it's time for change, mm-hmm. definitely it's time for change
1: What's been helpful to you um just because it's a challenge for you know you individually, what has been some of the things that you've noticed? throughout all of this that has really touched you or been supportive to you?
0: For my community that we mm-hmm. can come together, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? We can come together. We can um, put together a peaceful movement, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and we can collaborate. We can have conversations and, 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 and come up with strategies and plans in um, correcting
1: mm-hmm. this
0: racial issue.
1: Yeah. You know? I'm sure it's even more challenging in a pandemic where you're not supposed to get together and I know you know right. community can be so important and that's it's hard to do right Correct. now. Correct. Exactly. It's a, it's a real double whammy.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Well, I appreciate you sharing all of that and um I hope to see change with you. So, thank you
0: for right. Well, thank you for, for having sharing. me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much to Dante for speaking with me today and to Stephen Bluestein for audio production. Next week, I speak with Janet Sarkos. She's the executive director of Caring Contact, an organization dedicated to listening to people in crisis, providing support through a crisis and listening hotline. We talk about suicide, knowing the signs, and then what to do when you recognize them. It's an important conversation. I hope you'll join us. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.